This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by SpareMen. This app lets users record, save, and publish phone calls under five minutes. Perfect for micro-podcasting, sharing wisdom, and Q&A. Go to SpareMen.com, download the app, and search for our handle at Neals, that's N-E-A-L-S, to listen to our Neal's Pizza Place podcast that you're not going to want to miss because Neal finally talks to his father. SpareMen, making conversations possible again. Today's show is sponsored by Texture. The Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your smartphone or tablet. Get a free trial right now when you go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Hey, Joey, are you ready to fucking rock? <laughs> yeah. Three, two, fucking one. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's the Bad Christian Podcast. This is this is Toby's brothers, Mike. Hey, thank uh, your guys, Mike. I, I'm glad you're here, man. Yeah, fucking a man. I'm fucking glad hey, Mike, to be Mike, here. Mike, 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 Mike. Hang on, we cuss on this show. Oh, and yes, fucking we say really? Won't word. you shut your no, fucking no, mouth, no, pussy? No, Mike. We only do it. Oh, Seattle pussy's going to tell me what the br- fuck do. Toby, what the fuck? You told me about this guy. Dude, I know. It's my. It's like one of my best friends. Shut the fuck up, pussy, Seattle pussy. Well, listen, listen. I, we, we use that language just totally Who's fine, this bald-headed motherfucker over podcast. here? It's making me fucking <laughs> sick. What? what are you calling some kind of douchebag? Guys, I'm sorry. Mike, Mike, is that your head or did Mike. your neck throw up? Uh, your mom sucks. Okay, Mike, you gotta All leave, right, so dude. This is isn't, Mike gonna hang out, no. or is he gonna? Or oh, what? Yo, I'm out of here, you piece of shit. Fuck you. I am so sorry. How old is he? Seventeen. I am so sorry. I. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. That did not want. I did, I'm, He he gets excited. He does. He does the roids. How long is he in town for? He's on roids. How long is he in town for? I didn't know he was was even here. He he quit high school. (laughs) (laughs) He just just showed up. Why why haven't Matt and I ever heard of this guy? Motherfuckers talking about me. Damn it. (laughs) Shit. This is odd. Mike, please. Look. Please leave. Please, Mike. What? This is all. <laughs> he got it. it, it is so he is officially dropped out of high school now. He just all working. Yeah, out he all was the in time. ninth grade again, and and it was just yeah. it was killing him. It was killing my my. Hey, family. why is he taking his clothes off outside? Oh my god, it's just unbelievable. Why, I, I why am so sorry. I did not want to start a podcast like. Why this. haven't you told Matt and I about sorry. your little brother that's seventeen? We knew about Gary, but I'm, not Mike. My dad remarried. I didn't tell y'all that. I could shoot Obviously myself. Late, My dad remarried. Know. I didn't tell y'all. And, uh, yeah, so I have a younger brother, Mike. Um, honest, I swear, he's really cool usually, but when he, the roids got him, he, is he, wor- he truly he works mad out at me? Because I didn't say anything. He, I didn't look at him or anything. He's he mad just at the world, dude. Off. He's mad at the world. All right. He's mad. Matt, I'm sorry for the things he said. That is, that There's is, no problem. it's ridiculous. I, I don't even care. It doesn't affect me personally. I just think we typically save the, Worst language for later in the podcast. Right, I get context. it. I get it. So anyway, I'm sorry. Things are crazy here, guys. I, I, I mean, uh, I mean, y'all know. I mean, Joey, you pulled up at my house. You saw the sign up front. Well, 
we have actually sold our house. The whole offer went through. It's all done. Well, it's not completely done. We we had to get appraisals and uh, inspections and all that, which I'm really scared about too because I'm worried. What if it doesn't appraise for the the amount we got and uh, all that stuff? But it's really been if if we get it like so, we bought our house for one hundred eighty four thousand dollars and we sold it for. 220 right now yeah which is really cool so we'll have a little bit of money in the bank i'm, I'm really it's like the yeah. best investment because the first house we bought is still like twenty thirty thousand dollars under under are <laughs> yes. you serious <laughs> yes so we oh can't yeah Lord. so it's not like yay we sold a house and gonna make money it's just we're not breaking even yet toby yeah uh, he watched the big short on the plane and was telling me about it so i never wanted to watch that movie right is it good it, i'm just the butt of the joke is right it good? Oh, I heard it's unbelievable. it is great really well first of all the big short i'm not gonna give anything away well you know it's about the housing crisis which is so funny here's what the funniest thing about the whole movie was uh jess and i bought our uh condo right behind joey at uh in 2006 in october 2006 and in January of 2007, the first like lending agency went under, and everybody was like, "Oh shit, this is really bad." Like it's like three months later, after we bought our house, which we thought, "Oh, it's going to go up," and we're this is an investment property and all that stuff. Three months later, our house was just nothing, and it went down unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. we bought that house for 185 thousand dollars, and it went down all the way to like 115, and it's not Dang. back yet. And so we can't sell it. We're renting it, and we cannot sell it because it would just mean more money out of our pocket that we yeah. can't. We, we just can't take. What's that so hit. funny is you guys had the same mentality that we had a year before, and we we were two. Priscilla and I were two of the people that were telling you guys the same thing: is you got to buy. It's yeah. not going to slow down. It's going to keep getting more it, and more. Everybody, it, it made me never trust Joey again. <laughs> Joey and Priscilla are, are pieces of shit. It, it really bothers me. And <laughs> here's the funny thing: thinking back to that is. We thought, oh, you got to buy a house. You just have to buy a house. So we to. bought our house thinking, oh, well, and our third record's getting ready to come out, and it's going to be the biggest That was before. Ever. That was yes. before Amalia Man. Yeah, yes, so right we bought a house, when we all and bought the housing houses market just collapsed. We made a third record, and nobody bought records anymore. Collapsed. They, you know, everybody downloaded it legally, and, and wow. nobody liked the record. So, well, some people did. Well, yeah, but, that was a double whammy right. in itself because the music industry right. collapsed because of what happened to downloading right. and digital and stuff like that. So that happened in a, independent of an economic collapse that happened at the same time and on the collapse of the actual art that we right. put into the medium <laughs> collapsed as well. So it was a triple whammy. It was whammy the worst for, time of my life. And then, then we had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which changed everything. So anyway, but yeah, so things are going good. I tell you, have y'all ever like – how many times have y'all sold a house? Like you have to do the showings and stuff. It was so stressful. Like this last week after getting it under contract and everything, it felt like I hadn't slept in a week and I'm just now Jess and I are just relaxing. Like it's just crazy. It is really intense. Like keeping your house completely clean and perfect at all times. And then you, you can't be the worst thing was, and what's really funny is the person that is buying our house they took forever and they came and did a second showing and they were supposed to be here for one hour and they were here almost two hours and we were literally around the corner watching because we got we got (laughs) back and we had to sit in our car for 45 minutes and we were like mad i was like jess maybe they're really interested in the house and they were but it was so frustrating because we had the dog you can't leave your dog at the house we have our dog and our three kids just sitting in the car losing their shit listen to this the first house that priscilla and i bought back in Gosh, it would have been 02. Uh, 
the real estate agent told us that she needed to show the house. So we had our, we knew that people had been in there, the agent and everything. And we come in there and right in the middle of the kitchen floor, our cat had caught a skink. So for, for those of you that don't know what a skink is, it's like a snake looking lizard, really ugly looking shiny stripe on its back, but its head was eaten off. So basically people came into our house to see the house uh, and obviously they did not buy it because there was a headless skink <laughs> in the middle of the floor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just, I kept vacuuming and trying to make everything look just neat and clean. And then it's a bit sad that way with houses because, yeah. you know, when you buy a house, it's so sad to watch people move out of a house because they get it in the best shape it's ever been in to show it to somebody else in a good shape. Right. Uh, and, and here in Seattle, the how they put in nice furniture, rental, and like they stage the house to make it look ultimate and neither the seller nor the person that's going to buy it ever 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 lives in a house that nice it's really sad like you 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 buy this house seeing the potential of it and nobody lives lives up to its potential and people have been living in that wonderful showroom house for 30 years and they've never been able to experience it nice because they never i I also want to take a second it's it's really funny my wife really listens to this podcast so do y'all's wives listen not really. She no. oh, Priscilla definitely listens. It's on the I, reg. I she doesn't keep. She can't keep up with every yeah, episode. Jess listens on the reg, but I do have to admit this. Like as far as cleaning, when I say cleaning, I cleaned up the garage. Yeah, like <laughs> like my wife is a machine with cleaning. Like it's it's almost like unbelievable, and it's it's making me. But with that being said, it did make me question: Should I get rid of all this? Like my my, I've worked so get no, rid of the no, house no. and the wife. Get rid of my man that. cave yeah, because so. you know I, I've got all these pallets and I added a couch and Christmas trees and lights and all this stuff. That does suck. And I just like, oh, man, I spent like seriously, I spent a few weeks working on this, and I was like, well, we're trying to sell it. Is this going to lower somebody's interest because they cannot see the garage for what it is besides a podcast recording studio? So that doesn't add. I don't know. That's what I thought. Yeah, that steps up your game a little bit. (laughs) I think it does. But but here's the thing: they don't. They can't see like them parking their car here. So I thought maybe that would be a negative. I don't know. Anyway, it it probably is in a little bit. But I mean, you know, you got to just have to get to the next space. I mean, I imagine you're selling this place because you're going to buy, you know, something worth four or five hundred grand with extra studios and basements and all this stuff, kind of thing. So I'm interested. Can I do one more no no about my wife? Yeah, sure. Well, okay, yes. this, the oh, no-no yeah. is a podcast Unlimited. no-no, though, so y'all might be, like, not happy about this. So we've already done the interview that's getting ready to come out, right? Uh, yeah. We're getting ready to come up with Brad and Drew. Right. Right? So in that interview, I said that my wife and I have gotten to tons of arguments about autism, and that's not really true. So she's going to, the problem is that. Oh, you're starting well, to feel the guilt because you yeah, said something that, you know, she's yeah, so it's out. not true. So it's when you hear that, that part of the podcast, know that I exaggerated and that it's not true, everybody out there, because there are often times where my wife and I are exercising beside each other on the treadmill and she's either laughing or she looks at me like, why did you say that? That is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I want to go ahead and just clear that I exaggerated. My wife and I haven't really gotten to arguments about autism and our kid doesn't have autism at all. And so I was being shitty. So I wanted to go ahead and just clear that up. And can we get to the interview? Would that be all right with you guys? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I, I'm Matt, do you want to just talk about, about, like, about, like I'm saying my wife is awesome. Do you want to take this time? Because you normally just talk well, about just how shitty Bridget is. I just want to say, Toby. You want to say just giving it like yeah. Bridget's. Toby, I just want to say good job on. No, Joey's going to. Yeah, okay. Toby. Oh, good oh yeah. Job. Do you want to talk about how terrible Priscilla is? I just want to. I, I want to say. Are you waiting? <laughs> 
<laughs> He's got something I'll, in his head. Just step out the of the way. I'm back, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, let's just take a break. No, I Mike, want- Mike. No. Fuck y'all, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, let's go. We're going to break. We're going to break. All right. Today's sponsor is Sparrowman. It is so awesome. It's an app that is just amazing. It allows you to basically make calls under five minutes. You can basically have conversations again. You can do micro podcasting. You can do Q&A. You can just share your wisdom. Whatever you want to do, you can take calls. It's such an awesome app. And just to prove that, Neil the Pizza Guy actually found his father. His father found him on Spare Men, called in. We have that recorded. It is amazing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Just to show you what you can do with Spare Men, uh, it's pretty awesome. We have a little bit of the audio here, but you can go to SpareMen.com. That's S-P-A-R-E-M-I-N, basically Spare Minute, but SpareMen.com. Check it out because you're going to want to get this app and just do amazing things. Just listen how beautiful this is. Hello, man. Neil. Hey, Neil. Dude, your fucking dad, man. Hey, man, what do you mean it's my dad? Dude, I know I wasn't there, man. Like when you were young and shit. Here I am, man. I saw that Neil's on Spare Man. Getting a little choked up here. I saw that Neil's on Spare Man, dude. And I just wanted to call and say, I fucking love you, dude. It only gets better from there. Go. Sign up for Spare Man right now. Check it out. It is so awesome. You can hear more of at Neil's. It is really cool. Spare Man, making conversations possible again. Guys, I am trying to get packed. I'm trying to get done with this podcast right now so I can pack all my bags and stuff because we're going out of town at like 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm not packed. But one thing that I have all set and ready to go, all the magazines that I'm going to read while Jess is driving. And I am so excited about it because texture texture.com the the app it is the place where i can keep all of my magazines right where i want them and can access them from my phone from my tablet it is so awesome yeah one thing cool about texture is just like with netflix it starts to learn netflix starts to learn about the viewers yep. like oh you'll like this stuff you know what they're usually right i'm like yeah i want to watch that texture does the same thing for reading material and we're we're talking pretty much I mean, dare I say almost any magazine you can think of? Yeah, I mean, totally. if you can name a magazine, it's like, oh, it's on For Texture. For sure. The Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your smartphone or tablet. Breeze through hundreds of your favorite magazines, including back issues, and pick the articles that interest you the most. And that's what I love. Those back issues, being able to access those, that is just so cool. Yeah. Like old Sports Illustrated or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I love that. Texture has made it easy for you to find the articles that you care about. So guys, let guys and girls, um, here we go. The best part, Texture is offering our listeners a free trial right now. When you go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian, you'll gain immediate entry to all the top magazines, including back issues and bonus video content. That is better than any magazine you've ever read getting all those extra stuff. So start binge reading for free right now when you go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian. That's texture.com forward slash bad Christian. Drew, you hear us? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, man? I was listening to some of your guys' podcasts yesterday. I was laughing. What'd you listen to? Uh, Babies are not miracles. 
Do you agree? Were you were you persuaded? Uh, well, I was already up a mind that they were okay. not. So. Okay. And how about Brad, the pastor? Our baby's a miracle. Sorry, pal. When I saw him come into the world, man, a miracle happened. Oh, gosh. Well, it's the most ordinary miracle that's happened to every single living thing that's ever there. Anyway, I won't go into the rhetoric of my position. Well, that's interesting you say that, though, because when I saw my kids come into the world, it was the most shocking, scary thing that will never leave my mind. So I I wouldn't have described it as a miracle. I would have described it as As some alien alien attacking my wife. Oh, listen, listen. You want to talk about alien? Drew was born cesarean section. Okay, so can you imagine the Sigourney Weaver movie when the head is just right, right out? Like I, that's that was my first exposure to a to a boy entering into the world. So I didn't think that was the miracle. The miracle that was the one that happened inside of me when I saw this head, and I'm like, I think I love this kid. Yeah, you, you love the alien. That is a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, I get that part. Now, so I got an opening question for you guys here. You know, uh, so. Essentially, we're going to talk about gay, church, pastor, and you guys even have a book on this. <laughs> and so what I want to know is amid all the transgender stuff and bathroom stuff, is that feel like something that's now cover, you know, covering up what we were dealing with, which is gay and gay marriage issue stuff and uh, hurting, hurting you guys whole platform book sale. It almost feels like we've moved up. We've moved over gay. Now we're just into the transgender. Well, situation. no, I think that like these are. I mean, like, I think that's kind of a facile analysis. I think that these things pop up as, like, fads mm-hmm. in the media cycle. And then, mm-hmm. like, the transgender movements or the gay movements, et cetera, are, like, much broader realities that span, you know, longer periods mm-hmm. of time. And I think that also one of the things that I've always, you know, I understand it, but it's it's been somewhat frustrating to me over the years is the LGBT label um sort of implies that i as hey, what a, the hell man you forgot the q lgbtqi and force you know <laughs> we call that alphabet soup yeah exactly <laughs> the alphabet soup but it implies that i as a queer like act, yeah i actually would identify as queer more than i would identify as mm-hmm. gay but like that that somehow gives me like a uh an insight into or or like a direct connection to the experience of like a transgender person. That, right. And it, it doesn't. I mean, like, I don't, that's not my, that's not my issue. But, but then again, it is because it's a human issue. And so I think it's uh-huh. all of our issues in the way that like any of these issues are our issues. Well, I'm being facetious when I ask that question, but the point of it being it's so funny how narrowly the, uh, the media or the polarizing forces online and stuff will, will be on a topic like gay marriage. And then now we're on to this whole different one that's seemingly unrelated and everybody forgot about the other one. And now this is this, the topic of the day. Well, yeah. And especially if it's if it's useful as a wedge issue in an election season, then fuck mm-hmm. it. Of course, it's going to become like a big deal. And like if, if you know, it also if it becomes you know, an issue about states' rights and, you know, the the um, imposition of the federal government into the right of states to decide what they want to do. I mean, that's super useful in an election cycle. So whether it's transgender bathroom issues or or whatever the hell else may may come up for for the grabbing, um, if it's useful, then someone yeah, will... People just yeah. use it as a tool. So your, your guys' book, though, let me, let me make sure everybody knows about your book that I referenced there. Your book is called Space at the Table, and it's by both of you guys. Um, and so you can get back to what you were saying there, but I would like to jump in kind of chronologically and tell us about this book, this story 
of, of you guys. I said, you know, adventure, I'm going to call it even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we, we, we started writing the book about a year and a half ago. Uh, we'd been thinking about it for about five or six years, actually, before that. But it just, you know, the timing wasn't right. And, uh, you know, so we had this long story that goes, you know, back to the to Drew as a kid and this whole reality of his own discovery of himself and my discovery of him as I'm a, a pastor and then later a theologian, you know, in an evangelical school, an evangelical church. And one of the things that happened with me is uh, once, once Drew came out, then I came out as well and basically said publicly, look, I'm, I'm an evangelical theologian and I'm the father of a gay son. And I, I did that at Multnomah University where I, where I teach. And one of the things that that did is, is, is locate my, me as an open space, as a safe space for students. So you got these students uh, at Multnomah at this conservative Christian school who are not out, uh, but who start coming out with me uh, in my office. And so this starts replicating itself. And then what happens in church is we get these parents that start coming out to me and to my wife and saying, oh my gosh, here's what's going on. I've got this gay son. I've got a gay daughter. I don't know what to do. And that's when I got in contact with Drew. He was in Cairo at the time and just said, pal, it's time. We, we've got to write this book because I think our story can help some people. Uh, and there's a lot of them out there that are dealing with this and they just have no clue about how to even think about it. So your story starts t- as as a typical person, your position would respond is you sent Drew to one of those like de-gaying ministry deals, correct? Yeah, uh, that's right. I mean, is it, what do you call that? What's the, the name for those? Well, X, the gen- X-gay, X-gay ministry. General term is X-gay. Yeah. And uh, okay. And yeah, I mean that's that's how I started out. I think my I think my initial response to Drew was barely controlled panic. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed like a crisis situation. I loved him. I wanted to help him, but my my response of helping him um, was a response that was radically oriented towards fixing the issue. Uh-huh. Uh, did you do you think you genuinely believed that that would work, or you were genuinely skeptical and it was like you know last ditch kind of thing? Like I want to believe that this is possible. Well, that's or a great or, or is it funny? Yeah, that's a great question. Here's what I'll tell you because I I had for years known uh, uh, gay people who were evangelical mm-hmm. Christians uh, and who had decided they wanted to live either a celibate life or or, or not be in a gay marriage or whatever. I knew that with all of them, there wasn't a single one of them that I knew that had gone through this process or, you know, this change in life who didn't still recognize that this was a reality for them, you know, that, 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 that being gay or whatever was a reality for them. So no, I didn't really have the sense that Drew was going to go to counseling and come out straight. It was more an issue. Well, well, let me interject there for a second though, and say also, um, while you may have known, adults, Christian adults who, uh, you know, as, as they would say, struggled with issues of same-sex attraction. Um, what was unique in my case was that I started going to this when I was so young. So I was like 12 when I first started. Oh, goodness. Okay. And so there was this real sense among like the counselors that because they had sort of like, uh, <laughs> like caught the cancer early 
you know, they could, uh, we could, you know, swoop in and, 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 uh, fix, fix what was going wrong while there was still time, you know, while I was still in my formational years. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so I think that there was actually like, at least for those first several years that I was involved with that, um, a lot of hope and, you know, expectation of, if not like total cure, certainly like, um, you know, significant movement towards what they, what we would have, you know, considered a healthy and whole, you know, heterosexual orientation. Um, and that like, that slowly waned and waned and became more and more, um, of a, uh, uh, a ridiculous notion <laughs> over the years. But when you going into it, you were you were uh, open minded or, or or yeah. Did you at twelve years old? Did you think, man, I, there's something wrong with me? I, right? Yeah, yeah. And like if, as like as I talk about in the book, like I was the one who like called the meeting with my parents and my therapist, and like I actually had like a whole. I had done my research, and so I had like um, you know gone online and and. Uh, read everything I could about ex-gay therapy and ex-gay ministries and like what the rhetoric was around the cause, you know, for, for this, uh, malfunction. And then I had also read, um, like, uh, everything I could in, in, uh, my dad's like collected works of Sigmund Freud. And then also James Dobson's bringing up boys. So between like Leviticus, James Dobson and Sigmund Freud, those, that was my like trifecta of like diagnosing texts. And I called up my, like, I had a therapist at the time and I, uh, I called her up and I was like, I'm, I'm experiencing some, some, what did I say? Fuck. Uh, some, some regressive issues that are manifesting in same sex attraction. How do we nip? I was, I was precocious, but like, how do we, how do we nip this? How did you put that in between skateboarding and like eating like PB and (laughs) Jason? I didn't learn to skateboard till I was 18. That was after I came out of the closet. I thought, I thought that like learning to skateboard would like, would definitely give me some gay street cred and help me, you know, help me get, help me get some butch trade. And it totally did. <laughs> how, how come you had a therapist when you were 12? Uh, cause I was like a pretty like sad, you know, emotionally volatile kid. Like a lot of which, because I think, you know, I was already different and was like seen as different <laughs> by the other kids. And so was like, you know, was not was like made fun of a lot and had like a lot of, you know, childhood rejection and stuff. Were they already calling you gay at school as a, if they were making fun of you or yeah, something like that? Yeah. Was that already sure, there? For sure. Yeah. yeah so by, by, by second grade. Second grade. Wow. So both of you guys were on the same page for a while as far as that lifestyle being a sin. When, when did that change, Drew? Like when did you get to a point where you were just like, wait a second, that's, that's not right. That ain't right. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. That was it was a slow evolution. Um, well, no, actually, it was a slow evolution that sort of happened at a subconscious level that then all came out sort of all at once. And um, the evolution, you know, happened slowly over the years that I was in ex gay therapy. So, like, we're talking age twelve to age seventeen. Yeah. And then, and that, you know, so that's not just going to like therapy and, and, and reading all of the, you know, the books and like working on trying to build all of these, like, you know, healthy, affirming same sex male peer relationships that'll cure me of this disease, you know, and like, um, you know, learning, thinking that if I can just learn to play Halo properly, then like, I'll get my, my shit straight. Uh, uh-huh. But it was also like going and spending a summer at like a, a Christian camp, like, you know, desperately trying to build these relationships that my, you know, 
ex-gay counselors told me I needed in order to be healed and normal. And then what happened was my junior year, uh, I went for the first time to Egypt, um, a place that I then like continued to go back to a lot over, over my life. But like the first time I went was when I was 17. And that was the first time I had lived in a country that was, you know, not Christian and, you know, was immersed in a culture and society of millions of people who believe something different than I did. And then also I fell in love for the first time with my best friend. Uh, we, we both like fell in love and had a secret, you know, kind of uh, DL relationship. And he was uh, uh, an Arab, you know, his, his, his family was from the Middle East. And so like our relationship was definitely not, <laughs> not halal. Uh, <laughs> uh, in that context either. But yeah, th- those were the two things that kind of like broke and exploded my paradigms. And so by my senior year after that summer in Egypt, um, that's when everything exploded. And that's when I was like, fuck this, fuck you, mom and dad, fuck God. I'm leaving the church. I'm, I- I'm leaving worship team. I'm leaving, you know, I was a leader at my youth group and like a, on the worship team at our mega church. And, you know, every good proper thing that you're supposed to be as a teenage Christian guy. Um, so when you say there that, you know, when you're rejecting God, was that a God that you believed in and were rejecting or reject that it was, that, that he existed at that moment? Oh, just as a little aside. That was interesting, though, to me. My my whole life up until that point had been built around a belief in right. the God of the Bible. And like that belief was sincere. And that was not. Um, and so I guess it felt like both a personal rejection, like a real person to person being to being rejection, like, fuck you, sir. Yeah. You know, but then it, it the, the next. Well, what do you where do you go after that? Like, what's the next step? Well, you I guess you just sort of move into this like, you know, ether of uh, post belief uh, agnosticism, although at first I think it was a pretty fierce atheism that then became more of an agnosticism and then eventually years and years later came back to a kind of you know uh, belief in god but yeah brad is this more devastating uh for you than the than him coming out of the closet like yeah did you you were like man why couldn't we have leukemia Mm, yeah Yeah, no that was a joke (laughs) drew's drew's relationship with god (laughs) and and you know his own sense of uh, of himself in relationship with God and others is far more important to me and my wife than his, him being gay. I mean, there's yeah. just no comparison, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, for the first couple of months, you know, after Drew walked away from the church and all of this, I, you know, was still praying, dear God, please make Drew straight. But that went away really fast. And yeah. really what that became, uh, became replaced with and, and is just always my sense. It's still my sense today is really the sense of, you know, dear God, please communicate to Drew how much he's loved by you and, you know, draw him into, you know, loving, healthy relationship with you. And that's what we care about more than anything else. And so, uh, but one of the interesting things, of course, in the evangelical community is that many evangelicals can't see those two things as separate from one another. So they look at a person and go, no, if this person's gay, there is no way this person can possibly have a relationship with God. And, And in essence, what they do is they end up putting the homosexuality above relationship with God. And it's this thing that we've got to attack, this thing that we've got to stop. And that's one of the things that's so damaging, so wrongheaded, and just so non-missional and deeply problematic about the evangelical response to this whole issue. Brad, what did you, uh, uh, this is interesting to me, like at what point did you think, um, he isn't like another uh, uh, other boys, or did that even happen? Like, was there ever a point? Like, I, I do wonder, um, 
for example, my grand, my my mother in law, my kid's grandmother, uh, when our son, if he were to play with something pink, she'd go, get that away from him. He's not supposed to play with that. He's a boy. And I go, and I, I have to have a conversation with her. Where I was like, what does that matter? What 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 are you saying about identity with a color or what? Like that's something that we press on people, but it is there are norms there where like you know boys play with guns and and construction trucks and stuff like that. Was there a time where you're like, ah? Oh, this feels different. Okay, sure. I mean, and it was very early. From the time Drew was two or three years old, uh, he was drawn to women's shoes. He would go up to the church. In church, he would go up to women and put his hands on their shoes because he was drawn to beauty. And let's just face it, typically women's shoes are a lot more colorful, sparkly, and interesting <laughs> than men's shoes, which are just brown leather. You know? And so he was interested in those things. When he would dress up, he was at age three, four years old. He was far more likely to dress in Robin's clothes than in mine. Same reason. Did that worry you at the time? You know, I wondered about it um, somewhat, but I wasn't overly overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly worried about it. Um, but when it, you know, when it came to be this issue where he started, you know, getting pushback for that from boys uh, and he started feeling really bad about himself because the other boys didn't do those things. You know, and so he began to feel what's wrong with me. And now I began to become concerned about it because he was feeling so bad about it. So then, you know, of course, what what we did is, uh, you know, what all good parents do, we called focus on the family. And, (laughs) you know, and and essentially what they said to us was, you know, tell him when he does girl things not to do those. The boys don't do those and do boys things. And and I, I mean, I suspect they've changed from those days now, but the reality is that there's so many social constructs going on here, right? I mean, it's very complicated. There's a lot more here. Than, I mean, first of all, it, w- w- you wouldn't say you identified that he liked women's shoes because he likes beauty, right. for instance, or it could be said, oh, but maybe he actually is transgendered. As I mean, there's lots of ways you could could look at those or things. And women. why would it be bad? Yeah, exactly. Like out, there's a bunch of I like most men who are transvestites, like who like to dress up in women's clothes, are actually heterosexual. Right. That's like, what I'm saying. So that's not follow anyway. No. Right. And, and not to mention, my daughter is the most into tough stuff. I would never. I don't expect. I mean, I guess by that by that she's a uh, highly predictive lesbian that you could say at this point. Right. Or as active <laughs> as she is, as much as she's a tomboy, but, but that's I don't the whole thing. Feel that like, way at all? That, worry about it. That like that. The fact that I was into those things and then like received rejection from other boys because of my interest fed in beautifully to the whole ex gay narrative yeah. of like why you're fucked up and like how we can cure you from being fucked up. And yeah. so like that that's the thing is that, you know, if you, because Christians or, or conservative people of any religion will pick out, you know, a number of factors that they say are the definitive causes of homosexuality, the absent same-sex parent or like, the overbearing opposite sex parent mm-hmm. or like the abuse, abuse people say a lot, right? Abuse or um, you know, yeah, uh non-gender typical interests or too or many not. Barbies in the toy box exactly, on Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and but the thing is is that like if you look at the statistics of how many people end up becoming gay who didn't don't fit any of those molds, or how many people fit all of those molds or a number of those molds and don't end up being like oriented towards the same sex. Like, it's just bullshit. Yeah, you know, it is. I mean, bullshit. realistically, 7 to 15% of LGBT people were abused as children. That's probably not much different than the general population. You know, so it's just that you, you do the math, you do the statistics, and you realize these things, uh, 
don't come out the way people think they do, which is why when once we we went, we saw these type of things, we saw where these things were pushing us, we just decided that we were going to encourage Drew to do the things he loved and that we that we weren't going to try to say, you need to do this because it's boy stuff. I will tell you the story, though, that when he was six, we did sign him up to play t-ball, um, which is quite an experience for him uh, because when he was in the outfield, um, you know, he wasn't spending his time, you know, saying, hey, batter, hey, batter, and rooting on his teammates, but he was talking to the moms on the sideline about what fabric they were going to be using for the next redecorating <laughs> process, you know, so so he really liked T-ball. It was just for different reasons than most of the other guys liked. Well, I would suggest there may be a whole other thing there because almost everything in life is unintended consequence. And so you can't, it's not like you can control how your kids are really. Like, it, you know, it's more the way that you are and the way things, it's not like you could train your kid to do exactly what you want just with your words and what you limit them from. That doesn't work anyway. So I'd almost suggest if it were possible to cause homosexuality to be caused by something, right. by meddling and shaming and introducing all those things and taking away the pink and putting energy behind it, you you might be just as likely to cause a, a problem if it was causable in the first place. Yeah, liking fabric doesn't mean equal li- being gay. That, that's the thing. Like The things that you have a preference toward has no affiliation with your sexuality, right? So... I wonder, I, I do, I, I do wonder like those things like that, that. That's what I'm saying. Same thing now. Like it's overblown. There's a big overblown uh, thing now of uh, boys with autism. Like my, my wife and I have gotten into arguments before that. Oh, uh, uh, my son, Ike will line things up in like his blocks and stuff in a Autistic. row. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, 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 yes, exactly. And I go, wait, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. We're not going to say anything here because it, it doesn't, this is just a kid who's figuring out stuff and likes to do this. So if, if he does have autism, okay, we'll address that when it happens. But it, I wonder, it'd be like if you could cure it by making by making him not be right. allowed to line yeah. stuff up. Right, exactly. Even if he well, we're that. sending exactly. him to an ex-autism you, camp. Ex-autism. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They get, they get one of those like bumper stickers that says autism silenced. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so reading about you guys, y'all are y'all are consistently on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to your belief for or against, you know, the well, oh, I would say biblical beliefs against or for a homosexual lifestyle. But Drew, you also reject a Christian approach to life. Would you say that is accurate? I wouldn't necessarily say that. At, <laughs> like, would you? How would you answer the question? Are, That's a big statement. To are you a Christian? Am are you a Christian? Yes, <laughs> I like the megaphone approach. Yeah, I feel like I'm at the at that bridge that they have to cross in Monty Python, and it's that one eyed bridge keeper <laughs> who's like, <laughs> "Are you a Christian? <laughs> what is the capital of Assyria?" <laughs> um, I yes and no. Yes, because I was raised one. Yeah, like you don't you don't lose that. Um, and this is something, and I, I think I talk about this in the book. If I, if it's not in the book, it's somewhere else, but, uh, like all my friends in Egypt, their ID cards all say their, you know, like their name, uh, their marital status, obviously. And then what religion they are, like right. Christian or Muslim. And none of my friends necessarily have a particularly, you know, vibrant, uh, credo one way or the other. Um, a lot of them aren't religious at all. But they understand that your, your religion is more than just what you believe. Your religion is like a whole worldview that's imbued into your, your brain by the way you were raised, what values were put in front of you as important, 
um, what kind of like things you heard in, you know, church or mosque or, you know, shul, Mm. you know, when you would go every week and like that, that, you know, so if you're, if you're raised a Catholic or a Jew, and then later on you find that you're really more of a, an atheist or a Buddhist, you're still a Jewish atheist or a Catholic Buddhist, (laughs) you know, like you just bring that, you bring that world and that way of seeing things to yeah. whatever other belief system you, I saw Dan yeah. Savage. Um, some said he was a Catholic, and then got all kind of stuff about it. And he just he just wrote back and had a or a printout or something. He goes, "There it is. Uh, I was uh, baptized and confirmed, busted, cold as ice." Boom! Exactly. And like, so I I've been actually I've been going and I've got an article coming out. Uh, I've written a couple things that are coming out soon about this about how I've been going to this church in um, Los Angeles recently and. You know, really liking it, and uh, you know, it 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 feeds something. It fills something. It's a place where I feel like I can come and experience uh, worship and liturgy that I recognize and that is in the language with which I was, you know, raised. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that you know, that's a way that I come back to my connection to the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, do I? believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God who was sent here to redeem humanity? Maybe. Well, let's do something fun here. I want to ask Joey and Brad this, like what, I mean, because essentially what this question's aimed at is to, is like a, is like a proxy for all of Christianity out there that wants to put a disqualifying question to you that you would affirm no to. Right. So we can get that out of the way. But I want to know from Brad and for Joey in the general Christian vernacular, what would be that litmus test question? Like uh, Joey, what would it, would it be? Do you believe John three sixteen, or do you have Jesus Christ in your Christ in your heart? Like, what is the most litmus test question, Joey, that you could ask him that would to find out if he believes if he's a Christian or not from your point of view? Which I'm sure sure represents lots of people. Hit, what would that be? For hit you me with it, Joey. Hit me. For me, it boil it's it's boiled down to Jesus. And and just what you what you think about Jesus, period. But try to get a specific question to him to where he would answer no, and then therefore you could say, okay, he's not. Yeah. Do you think Jesus is God, and do you need him as a savior? I, I would don't say know. that before Brad. I'm, in, that, I'm Brad, interested. I'm what interested. would be the more aggressive conservative <laughs> thing, Joe, to where we'd have to say no if you want to say? Uh, do you? Uh, depend on Jesus Christ and pray to him every day that others may be saved. You know, you know me, I feel like I've shedded all that stuff. But That's what why, would be I the, mean, I'm asking what would be the general, the, the, the question that the listeners are having out there that are trying to disqualify him from Christianity because it would make them more comfortable. Right. How would they phrase that question? Well, That's first of all, they already have. <laughs> but the, they, they already have disqualified him. What about them disqualifying me from Christianity has anything to do with anything? It's just for them. It's just for their own personal comfort. But that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing is that like if they're so interested in like disqualifying me or any other person from Christianity, then like what does that say about their own like where in the where in the Bible is that? like central to, to you have to go and, and judge and whether or not someone else is a Christian. I mean, I'm pretty right. sure that the new Testament is about, you know, your own personal relationship with Christ and whether you've been saved and doesn't give anyone the authority to say whether someone else is a Christian. And I'm pretty sure but they would veil that though. You understand they veil that, but I care about him and I right, love him. Exactly. So in order yeah. to, I would need to know and set defining lines so that we could get closer to the truth. Eventually that would be, it would be veiled in that, but it's really just, I want to be more comfortable to make sure 
character to I can draw a line that I'm in and he's out. That that would be the initial goal. That's the deal. Is what right. that's really about. I don't I don't know that I believe too often that that that's really about authentic care for another person. It's right. really about being able to create an in and out and, right. and us against right. them so that I can be comfortable, you know, with my community and who I am and I can know who's in and and know who's out and uh you know, I just think that's a very deeply prod- problematic American evangelical way of dealing with Christianity. Not that, not that we shouldn't ask careful questions and, and look at doctrine and theology carefully, but so much since the Scopes trial of 1925, American evangelicalism is so, um, is so insecure in its place in American culture that it, it has this deep need to have dividing line questions. Mm-hmm. That that by 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 which I can understand this is us and this is you. And the fascinating thing about that for the early church is they didn't have to ask those questions at all. They just lived their lives, and much of the Roman Empire divided themselves from them and just said, I agree. this is who you are. I agree. And I, I think my motivation here is from a relational standpoint, because Brad, what I wanted to ask you is as I think you described yourself, and maybe this was formerly, but you you said that you're conservative, evangelical. And I wanted to ask you from your perspective, like, does Brad worry about Drew's soul? Um, yes, of course. Of course. But I don't worry that he needs to connect with God in the same way that I do in order for me to believe that his soul is owned and redeemed by God. And as right. a pastor, you believe, for instance, there is a heaven and then that Drew's going there? Or do you not concern yourself with even such question? Joey lives very much in that uh, headspace, I think. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't either, but I think that's reasonable. Like Joey thinks of everything ultra from an, you know, he claims eternal. Yeah. Way, right, Joey? Eternal perspective. So you couldn't help. I'm just saying you couldn't help Joey yourself from the fundamental question of, yeah, I'm, I want to think all positive things and be accepting as possible. The most There's so much thing relevance to, is, is to the relationship. And is my son going there? Well, that would be your biggest question for you, right, Joey? From a relational standpoint, given that that Drew is headed in the direction of way more, I, I don't I don't know what I believe, and I'm not sure about you know my upbringing and all that stuff, and it seems like Brad is way more secure, you know, heels dug in the sand as far as your beliefs are concerned. Yeah, I think it's super relevant as, you know, because, I don't know how conservative you are, Brad, in your beliefs. Like, for example, a lot of people would say I'm a stupid liberal Christian because I, I, I actually don't believe that people burn in hell forever and ever and ever. I actually kind of ascribe to more of an annihilationist point of view. But I would say this time two years ago, yeah, if Drew is, is, is saying, yeah, I don't know what I think about Jesus, my mind would immediately go to, gosh, well, I hope. I hope he accepts and, Jesus. And that's I not born there's... out of the idea of I hope he's on the ins and outs with the dividing line. That's out of I love Drew and I want security for him. Yeah. So you that's know, different. Yeah. Here's, what, here's how I would talk about that. First of all, I have I, I believe that the triune God of creation has embraced Drew as his yep. own. Yep. I, I, I believe that. I have no question about that. I also believe that every single person in order to spend eternity with the triune God in Christ by the Spirit, has to, at some place, in some way, um, engage this God in Christ and, and, find, and find faith into that God. What I, don't, um, what I don't believe is that 
is that everyone has to do that with the same vocabulary that I do. Yeah. Well, and that was why for me, like when I talked about going to Egypt for the first time mm-hmm. and living in a, in a country where there were millions of people who didn't believe in Jesus, who believed in something else. Yeah. And I actually like met these people. Okay. And actually had relationships with these people and came to know and love these people that became real problematic as far mm-hmm. as my whole understanding of heaven and hell and you know, well, me and my family and everyone who I know back at home and all the other like white bourgeois American Christians who I was raised with are all going to go to heaven. And all of these like, you know, uh, people over here who may be just as, who, who are exactly the same, okay? Because they're just as kind or cruel or intelligent or stupid or good or bad as anybody back home. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how they live their lives or their ethics or their morals or their compassion or their care or anything like that. What matters is that they don't know Jesus, so they're going to burn in hell. They didn't happen to grow up on, around the corner from the Baptist church where right. social pressure so, was, you must go there. Right. So like that's when I kind of was like, fuck that. Yeah. And, and for anyone, you know, for people, for like American Christians who have grown up here and um, never really been outside of the United States or if the ways in which they've been, you know, uh, around the world has been on, you know, um, mission trips, uh, you know, where they're, where they're out there zealously um, trying to bring converts into the fold. Like if you've never actually like been vulnerable enough to live somewhere else surrounded by people who believe differently than you and make relationships with those people and be like affected by that, to take that in, then like, I don't really give a shit what you think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Toby, what do you think about Drew's fuck that as far as, you know, all these people are, I mean, cause you, you see, honestly, when we get in these sorts of discussions, you, I, I would see you as more of a, well, shit, that's just how it is. I mean, we can't, we can't put, <laughs> Joey loves to throw Toby under the bus. Yeah, I know. Thanks. <laughs> You mean you well, said all the time been, how much you hate I've, queers, Toby? So yeah, go, can you elaborate on that? Well, I, I've been I've been in countries where people don't believe in Jesus, but it never made me think that women's reproductive organs were gross. <laughs> so that's true. But it didn't it didn't have that effect on me either, Toby. I, I promise you. I'm just you. joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, like for example, when we talk about hell, Matt and Toby, you guys typically will say. I'm I'm reacting in a very emotional response and I'm ascribing to God what my definition of love is and God is God we don't have to agree or disagree so it seems as if deep down inside and I'm saying this because I I think I know you pretty well wh- your reaction at least a year ago would be well that sucks all these people that are running after the muslim faith something's up with their heart they're they're not see- and and probably from a calvinistic standpoint you'd be like well i don't know why god doesn't have them you know well i would say i think obviously my view of god has been changing for years yeah. so i i don't i i the number one thing that i hate in christianity is how much we talk about hell or uh hell is just this thing that i think we use to control people so that's what i really dislike i don't i don't like using that again like everybody ha- has uh, something going on in their life where they don't maybe feel normal to everybody else. That, that is normal that I, I have something in my life that I feel maybe different about or unique with. And I don't know if it's good or bad or whatever. I, I mean, we can all kind of uh, humanly relate to that. I, I guess I would say probably I, I'm probably, I probably land where Brad is at with, I think that God is so big that uh, he's bigger than what my thoughts are. Regardless of what my thoughts are on homosexuality, God's bigger than that and it knows homosexuality and, and understands that. And 
I think the big thing is I just what I really hate is not giving people time to figure stuff out. That that's what I hate about like the transgender issue right now with bathrooms, or that's what I hate about uh, the the issue in the media about uh, homosexual marriage or gay marriage, whatever. Like those those things are just like planted so that both sides will be in opposition as opposed to well, let me just think about this for a minute. What you you know that's what I prefer is let's actually use our brains that that God gave us and and think about why would somebody want to get married to the same sex. Let let me just think about that before I attach uh my my feelings of that's different or terrible or whatever that all that stuff just wait a minute let, let's just all think about this stuff logically because the same way the same thing with the transgender right now transgenders have always gone to the bathroom they they have to they're a human just like me so why in the world would this be some huge issue at this moment uh for me and my family as opposed to wait a minute let me think about this got to take a stand what, is why what, what, do you yeah, want those that, transgenders that's what I don't like. got that, to take a stand right that's what i don't everybody like everybody at all times on all things you must you know what the time has come you must right. can make i your can stand. i can i ask you guys a question yeah sure yeah do any of you guys actually have any close gay friends yes oh yeah I, yes okay Wait, let's turn the tables. Do you? <laughs> Not after this podcast. <laughs> no, but, but what, what I'm saying is I just feel like it I it should be okay just to take a little bit of time to not understand stuff. Like like I don't I I'll be 100% honest. I don't understand uh being gay or homosexual outside right? of now, your, now, outside now of your relationship time, with now me. at the same time what i what i don't want and what i've i've learned learned because i grew up in a very small very charismatic church that thinks gay is the number one worst sin is if you can cure that then man we're all doing really good right and, right, and that's what right. i was taught from an early age i mean right. seriously as a kid and so now i go wait hold on let me think about this 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 doesn't make sense like it, one one of the big th- realizations I came to is, uh, you know, the what it, what is it? Uh, if you don't uh, like, if you're okay, if you're gay, and uh, if I'm right, then you go to hell. But if it, uh, you know, so I'm tr- so I need to proselytize and all this stuff. But what if I'm wrong about God? Just just for a second, what if I'm wrong? Am I going to impose this belief that I have? And you're the only life you get. You you take a dirt nap and that's it at the end. Then my beliefs completely ruined your life. You don't get to love who you want to love. You don't get to do what you want to do. You don't get to experience this one life you have. And so that's where I, where I fall like, hold on, wait a minute. There is a, ch- there is a chance that we're all wrong about Jesus. And it's just some made up story, right? Story. Well, right. And especially, but, in, especially in light of that, here's one of the things, you know, that I talk about a lot. You know, you guys were talking about, you got to take a stand. I think evangelicals have a really uh, messed up idea of what it means to take a stand. Well, yeah, that's what I'm making fun of. They don't, they, they just all of yeah. a sudden, you know, I mean, you know, he's being the, facetious, the issue, right, dad? You know, he's being facetious. Right. I mean, the whole yeah. issue is, no, I know you're being, I, I know you're being, but the fact but, is, as if somebody cares that Steve finally took his stand. Right. But, <laughs> right. but, like, but the reason no, it's no, a no, joke no, listen, is that, listen, yeah. listen, the people that you're being facetious about, they're not being facetious. Right, right, right. 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 And they're going, right. no, we got to take a stand. But the stand they make is we got to keep gay people out of our houses. We got to keep gay people out of our churches. We got to separate them from out. We got to keep them out of our bathrooms. We got to keep them out of everywhere. And when I look at the the, the story of the the New Testament, I look at the story of Scripture. The way Jesus was bold, the way Jesus was strong, was guy, by going and spending time with people that were really different than he was. Right. And he went down and spent time with them wherever they were. He drew them to himself. He loved them. He cared about them. And that's that's Jesus being bold. Somehow we have this feeling that we need to like defend God so he doesn't right. get, you know, dishonored, you know, by these horrible people. There's nothing biblical about that. And yet 
it is hugely important to the evangelical community. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Toby and I were just talking about a sermon at our church where there was a guest speaker and we loved the heck out of his story and he was uh, injured uh, in war and all that stuff and just everything was just so awesome. And then near the end, he's just started talking about bringing America back to God. And we need to oh, take our country boy. back. And I was oh just like, gosh. what the hell are you talking about? Like what in the world? I was this weekend. I spent this past weekend in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, mm-hmm. speaking on this subject. And if you know anything about Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, there, there aren't too many places more white Republican right flag yeah, waving conservative than that. Yeah. I was just glad that I didn't have to speak in front of the church with the uh, US, with the American flag next to the pulpit. Thank God, <laughs> you know they didn't have that in this church. I think this church thought much better of it than that. But but this stuff all goes together. It's of a piece for so many uh, folks, and uh, and it's the kind of stuff that we're calling out. Yeah, Drew, where were you going a second ago? Asking us, do we? know or have friends that are gay people and stuff like that. What was your suspicion behind that? Well, just because, I mean, I get what you're talking about as far as saying that you don't understand being gay or understand, you know, uh, what it's like to, to, to be attracted to the same gender or the same sex. But like, the thing is, is like, at least in my experience, like I have, I mean, I have so many straight friends and like, I mean, I'm, (laughs) and, and I guess like, I've seen this phenomenon where like where when you when you know someone who's like of a different sexuality than you are and like I I mean like really know them like not not just oh yeah they're at my work or like they're on my block but like no like you're in their life and have like a meaningful relationship with them where you do community together and do life together mm-hmm. and maybe it's not a different sexuality maybe it's a different faith maybe it's a different you know race whatever it is I mean I think it's just kind of hard to right. to see them as not human, you know, and to, and to I'm and sure. to not you may not I'm understand why someone likes sucking dick or likes you know b- you know being a lesbian <laughs> or whatever sure. instead, sure. but like you know that doesn't mean that if if you have a relationship with that person, you'd be like, oh well, that desire may not be my desire, but. They're human, and yeah, I, I don't understand and why I people like the Dallas like, Cowboys either. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's I mean, my point. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think <laughs> to put a little flesh on what Toby was saying and where he was coming from, Drew doesn't is, say um, uh, you may not understand same sex attraction with males. He says you may not understand why people like sucking dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm saying I think where Toby was coming from on that is that's what that's what we're trying to get the heart at here is there is for sure a real cognitive dissonance for people who. Oh, I have seen this. I do have this family member who is this. I do actually know this guy and have for a long time, and I get it. And I've always understood that about him. Right. How? And I also have my whole life being taught a specific thing about it that is hard to undo, even with that. So you've got both going on, and that's where I think most people, not or a lot of people that probably we represent, um, or could say that they are, which is, wait a minute, I am certain that I don't actually have any problem with this and totally understand it or whatever. However, I have been told all these things for my entire life, so that's going to take time. So when T- Toby's only reference in there, yeah. you know, can can I get a little, like, for instance, there's people on the other side of it that would demonize somebody even struggling through it in the middle, but, but where would you say with Christians, they're like, yeah, I think it's probably wrong. But I think I may be changing my mind. Give me about four and a half years. Right. Is that okay right. with you? Right. Or is that still well, a big actually, point no, of view, I mean, for like, instance? I don't, I don't have any problem with a Christian who thinks that, like, my sexuality is wrong or non-biblical. I mean, my dad thinks that. 
So, uh-huh. and like lots of people who I love think that and lots of people who I have a relationship with think, think that. Mm-hmm. But like, I understand that they're constrained by their the orthodoxy of their belief. And I, I get that. Uh, but as long as they treat me like uh, ex- exactly like any other human being who they would love and right. don't make my sexuality like the central issue in our relationship or like try to change me or sure. quote unquote save me or or whatever it is from my sinful you know desires then like we can have a relationship that's rich and good and meaningful to both of us and that teaches you know both of us m- more about you know what it is to be a human or even to be a christian you know so i right I, I just i have i have too many of those relationships with people who may believe sure. that way for right. me to think that that's not possible. Yeah. I think that sexual identity is pushed so much, no matter what within our society, heterosexual, whatever it might be. Right. That, that is what I, I think it's kind of one of the downfalls of our society right now in a sense of you're right that you made a really good point there. Why in the world would your sexuality be a key component of our friendship? Friendship. Exactly. You know what I mean? like that, that doesn't happen with other relationships, I, I, maybe maybe naturally, you know, a guy makes a joke about a girl or sees a girl or whatever, but I'm just saying that's not a key component of us liking each other or being friends or have it, sharing in a relationship with each other. Or your and gender. So the, and and the, the, the other, yeah, and the other yeah, thing or is, your gender, exactly. You're right. still dudes. You know? right. right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I, for example, so, like, I'm here, I'm actually at my brother's house right now in Venice, and, like, this is this, you, if you can imagine this sort of giant frat house in Venice, California, full of like uh, artists and like musicians and skateboarders, it's it's great. And like I'm pretty like pretty much all these guys are straight, and most of these guys have known me since we were kids. And like we'll go out and like we'll wingman each other, and like I'll wing them for girls, and they'll wing me for boys. And like it's it's not that difficult, bro. Like I yeah. mean, it's it's the same thing, you know. So so I don't, yeah, I don't see why. But, but, but again, if you've never witnessed this, and this is the thing with like younger generations, like with my, my brother's younger than me and like with his generation, like they know so many people who are queer or who are gay or transgender or whatever, like that for them, it's just not, it's a non-issue. And so they understand what it looks like to be in a cosmopolitanism, you know, to be in this sort of cosmopolitan, uh, friend group where there's this diversity, uh, of sexuality, but, um, and how easy that becomes. But if you're not from a generation or if you're from a, a part of the country where that's just not, you haven't seen that and you haven't seen that lived out, then the idea is so foreign. And, and it's also imbued with all of this fear because there's this, there's this idea that if I hang around someone who's gay, like I'm going to like catch it, you know, like they're, like it's contagious, right. you know, <laughs> and Drew, I have a quick question. Ed- educate me. I always thought queer was a had a very negative connotation. <laughs> like I thought that gay would be politically correct, where queer that's just an asshole thing to say. But yeah, I feel, seems- I feel more comfortable saying gay or homosexual. Queer makes me feel a little bit seriously. Like I'm, like I'm really curious: is queer kind of accepted but, in the gay yeah. culture? Well, I can tell you one thing: homosexual, especially if you say it in one of your southern accents, like hum- like that's actually the only way that I say the word homosexual. I, I pray that I don't sound like you. I pray that. <laughs> Is that like, that's such a clinical term that like, I don't know anybody who actually uses that. Like it's... Well, queer has a different definition though, right? Yeah. So qu- queer is like, has a long storied history that I won't get into here. But basically, um, queer was a word that was like originally used by 
people who were same sex or like um, non-heterosexual cisgender people. So we're talking like in the 19th century and like the early 20th century, queer was actually their word. Then that word became like used as a derogative. Um, and that was the way that like pretty much anybody in the baby boomer or like Gen X, you know, uh, generations like grew up hearing it. But after the 1980s and like the emergence of, so like we're talking like post-gay revolution of the 1960s and 70s, um, what emerged in the 1980s and 90s was something called sort of the queer, queer revolution and, and then actually queer theory. And so what that is about is like challenging this notion that identities are set um, and, and constant and essential at all. So like, um, the reason I would identify as queer and a lot of people identify as queer is because I think that like, you know, uh, these, these ideas of straight and gay are actually social constructs. And by, you know, identifying as queer, someone might be homosexual in orientation or bisexual or, you know, all different, you know, depending on, on, a, on a Wednesday and what the weather's like, you know, and whether there's a storm blowing in from the East, you know, they could be this or that, you know, and, and also queer has um, connotations of just challenging those things which we take for granted. Yeah. So like, for example, you guys know about Burning Man, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like when you go to Burning Man um, and like nobody uses cash money or credit cards, they all, it's yeah. all like barter system or whatever. Yes. That's queer economics. That's a queer economic system. That's actually like you're, you're queering the capitalist uh, economic transactions that we take for granted on a daily basis by, you know, doing something subaltern and different. Um, so queer has like a whole lot of connotations. That's why you're here. Younger people using it. It's, it's a little bit of empowerment to be able to say, I'm choosing this and it's, it's what I'm doing. Totally. And also like, yeah. I have friends who like maybe heterosexual or in heterosexual relationships, but I, they would identify as queer and I would consider them queer because of like their, the, the way they live their lives in certain political or sexual ethics or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. That awesome. makes sense. I wonder, uh, how like different it would be like you imitated my Southern accent, but if I went, hey, yeah, my that's name's, what I was just my name's thinking. Drew and I like Steven, if, if I, I did that, wouldn't people think I'm an asshole? But you were just thinking, I thought you were going to do it. It's a little made fun unfair. Of your accent. It's I a little here unfair, comes. Drew. You're an asshole, Drew. Right. Hi, my name's Drew. I like I like pink and different kind of women's shoes. If I did that, I'm a dickhead. But you're awesome and funny. See what I mean? You just gotta you can, you need a little bit of time to learn about Southern people. See what I mean? You gotta, yeah, you, we'll respect you, your journey, you probably, Drew. Yeah, I mean, people immediately just because of my accent, people immediately judge me that I hate gay people and people of I'm color stupid. and all that stuff and I just need a little bit of time for you to understand that's not the case <laughs> I know I know it I know it and I'm gonna pray on that today when I get home I'm pray on it <laughs> but that's sweet <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing like like is it since um since I can take it just as well as I right. can dish it out right um no pun intended uh then like it's not a problem for us to have that kind of repartee right. You know, you know and, that's right. interesting because it really is about the individual thing. Yeah, like right. all this whole you're thing right. is these aren't these aren't groups. Toby's right. not a group of person. He's right. a person that has a particular sense of humor and a per- particular right. point of view. Right. On you and on Brad and other people. You know, and so I, that's the way I think about everything. I, the categories don't even, in my view, the categories don't even matter or maybe even exist. Yeah, I mean, it's just totally. individuals. Because yeah. I, I, I'll put it even this way. And see if you can indulge me on this. I could be wrong and I'm open to being wrong about it. But couldn't you even theoretically 
imagine a point of view where you run into somebody who's engaging in gay activity who isn't gay, and you could actually see, oh, you are choosing to be, you're, 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 you know, to try to act out in this way, but it's not even who you really are, man. Oh, well, that's, yeah. That's a I person. Mean, like, that's, that's not saying gay's right and gay's wrong, but absolutely. this person acting gay in this way as a response to this thing, you could you could look at that person and say, hey, dude, you're, you you yeah. shouldn't be having gay sex with that man. Right, exactly. So, I mean, like, there's this whole idea of, like, sexuality as being, like, uh, right, right, right sexuality is sexuality that's true to yourself, that's true to who you are, that's true to how you were made and, like, what you feel inside of you is, is, your, best, is, is your best self or, like, you know, your, your highest self. And so I think it's super confusing for people now um, growing up. I, like, I think this is a super exciting time to be growing up because, like, we're challenging all of these things about, you know, sexuality and sexual identity and all of these things. But I think it's also really hard because, like, it, let's say that, like, you grow up in, you know, uh, a more conservative town and you find that you're, you know, you're a girl and you're blonde and beautiful and you have a great rack and you're on the cheerleading team and you like all the pink things and all the, you know, good things that you're supposed to like as a girl. But like you find out that you're in love with your best girlfriend. You know, what, how confusing is that based on what the media and our culture tells you a lesbian should be, you know? And then also, what if you're also, you know, having sex with your boyfriend, say, you know, you're a girl and you're having sex with your boyfriend and you like it, you know, but you're also in love with your your best girlfriend. I mean, like, do you have to choose one or the other? And does choosing one make you untrue to yourself? You know, there's, it, it's a really complicated and confusing time but I think it's, I think that's good because I think we're finally starting to break down and challenge the things that have been keeping people um, enslaved to what I see as wrong ideas of sexuality for, you know, hundreds of years. But mm-hmm. and other people would disagree with me and that's fine. You know, we'll have different opinions. But and, and that's why I'm not saying that people who believe that homosexuality is wrong based on the religious beliefs shouldn't be able to say that. I think they should. It doesn't necessarily mean bigoted. Yeah, you don't necessarily, like, my my dad and plenty of people like him have the beliefs that they do based on their religion, and I don't see them as homophobic bigots. That's pretty awesome, actually, because I, I, I just think that's pretty remarkable. I think they're, ne- because it opens up communication, like, just like the homophobes that For close down solving. the communication, there's also gay people that close down the communication by just writing other people off as bigots. So I think that's, that's exactly easy. right. And like, that's why this book is unique, guys. And like, that's why this book is like, that's why this book matters is because if dad was just, uh, you know, an Episcopalian liberal who thought that, you know, homosexuality was biblically sound and was, you know, performing gay marriages at the San Francisco, you know, Unitarian Universalist Church, then our story wouldn't have. Sure. much resonance. It wouldn't yeah. have much weight. But because dad is a conservative evangelical theologian who believes that homosexuality is not included in the Bible's you know, definition of right sexuality, and I think he's wrong, then the fact that we have this great relationship with each other and have been able to write this book about our journey, that's, that's important. You know? Yeah. Well, I would love to say uh, the pastor and his gay son, folks, or in Drew's words, the pastor and his son who sucks dick. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joey. Let's tell all of our listeners what the book is titled again, and it's and where you can get it. It's called uh, "Space at the Table: Conversations Between an Evangelical Theologian and His Gay Son." And, and you can get it on Amazon. 
Get it on Amazon. Uh, Kindle. The audio book is coming out uh, at the end of this month. Uh, or Well, right now in the end of May. Drew and I actually did the audio book together, which was oh, nice. really cool. It's very cool. Yeah. It's it's dope. All right, let me let me. I got my thought back. Will you allow it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. A lot. You were saying how people started coming to you as the trusted one because you had come out as the father of this son and could be a trusted person. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is the single most important thing um, there, and and I liken it to what we do here. Although I don't claim it's as important or whatever, but I, I say a lot. Of what we're doing here is going way beyond what people are generally comfortable doing outwardly but feel inside. So there's many dads and many people who may be okay with their own kid or wrestle with that, but they still don't want to go public and be out as it is that you are. So I think that what that equals is is I call it clearing out room with your elbows. You're going to go down there. You're going to get messy. You're going to say, I'm okay with this. I'm going to wrestle with this. I'm going to do it publicly. And the crazy benefit being that, now other people can rest a lot easier and they can come to you and they, they know it's okay to, to take a less aggressive or crazy stance than you too. It clears out all this room where everybody's been really stuffy for a long time or careful. Yeah. And so you've taken a bold move by putting yourself out there and you see clearly the floodgates are open with people who are just looking for a reasonable person to talk to. That's right. That you've identified yourself as because you're willing to go out there and clear out a little elbow room. And that I always identify as a, a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are still people that respond very negatively to this. I mean, again, I was in this uh, up up in Coeur d'Alene this last weekend, and in the middle of my talk, uh, a guy got up, um, purposefully spilled something on the floor as he got up out of his seat and just said, this is bullshit, (laughs) and and walked out of the church. He took his stand. You know? He and took a stand for everybody in Coeur d'Alene to know where he stood. Was so helpful for everybody. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Also in that church, we stood for hours with people that came up to us and waited in line and waited in line and said, this is my story. The lesbians who go to that church came up and talked to me and my wife and said, thank you for being here. Here's our story. You know, and so it's that's that's way more of what we're getting and, Even and, if your long-term plan was to eventually convert all those lesbians, that's still a positive. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Even Drew would sit, say yeah. still, or somebody else would say, well, good. Well, at least that's good. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they'll convince him further. Maybe he'll yeah. convince them further. Right. Maybe they will relinquish right. their lifestyle. I don't know. Right. At least get there. And that's what you guys are that's doing. Right. Exactly. What we're trying to do on the show is let's at least get out there. Hey, I'd, be, I'd love to change my point of view and be totally wrong. Yeah. Pretty soon yeah. I might think yeah. it's the most evil sin ever, or I might be the most embracing person. I mean, yeah. right. I, whatever. That's I, right. It, I'm not scared to find out what, what I actually think. That's yeah. exactly right. That's the, yeah. and that's, and that's why, that's why we want people to buy this book, you know, and to read it because it's really a lot, it's about a lot bigger issue than just a evangelical father and a gay son. It's about how do you love someone you disagree with? Great. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That's I, awesome. I, yeah. I, I, that's what I think is awesome about this book. It really is a father and a son. It's not a sexual issue. And that, that's pretty cool. That that's really awesome because it could be anything you're right that you could disagree on. And how do you get past that? How do you yeah. love, love people that you just have a disagreement with? So yeah. anyway, Brad, Drew, thank, thank you guys. guys so much thank for joining us. Thank you guys us. so yeah. much this for having us. It's been a great time. We appreciate it. Now I'm going to come on down there to Charlotte. You guys got to teach me about all your Southern ways so that I don't have any stereotypes in my heads. All right. All right. All okay. right. <laughs> I'm coming busy. <laughs> Later thank guys. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Drew. All right. See thank you guys. Talk to you soon. All right, Brad and Drew. I tell you what, that was a good interview. I, I, 
Toby, I am surprised that you, and I had the exact same impulse as you and did not follow through with it, was to make a gay mimic voice as soon as he made fun of our Southern accent. Because I don't think right. he's making fun, or I didn't take it that way, but I'm like, oh, perfect well, opportunity. I'm glad that you did that, because I, I was I thought it instantly when he was doing it, and I didn't follow through well, with it. Well, that was my point. It was so easy for him to do that. He saw point. a, yeah. he heard a voice, and then he did the stereotypical thing of it, so... I just wanted to make clear that it that's normal for a straight man to maybe do a stereotypical voice of a gay man. Yeah, it still doesn't yeah, it doesn't mean bigoted. bigoted. It doesn't mean that you want them not to be married or what for, or could. have rights. I guess I should say it could. But it could depend right. on who you. Use but that's it what I'm saying. How. Drew, he thought I'm cutting up with some people that I like, and so that I thought I'm glad yeah, that he, you said. And that. he answered that well. He says it's okay here because I know, I'm talking to you, and you could we're right. sensing that we can both dish exactly. it out and take it, and that's appropriate. You can't just do that carte blanche yep, up to anybody or not with a nondescript person or against a people group or against an individual. You can't do that. But, but that still goes but into the whole idea. That we could handle getting made fun of about b- being Southern, which it does get on my nerves as much as it happens. Every Hey, nice to meet I you, know. Matt. That's what I get. <laughs> Slightly annoying. And I'm not – the Southerners aren't the most oppressed – a limited rights people group out there, so we can continue to handle being made fun of as Southern. Yeah, I, suppose. I like those good yeah, point. I like those guys a lot. I definitely think Drew was probably a little bit frustrated with some of those Christian questions. You think so? I don't. No. I don't know if he was. Yeah. I mean, I think he. Pro- they probably get it all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of their their crew that they they just. I, I I'm assuming that question <laughs> Christian questions are uh, what they just get. Who would have thought it was that simple? If your son comes out of the closet, love him. Deepen the relationship. Duh. Joey, I, I did want to ask you guys, and I, I wanted to ask while we had them on, like, what do you think? Like, I mean, think think about Brad. You think about you with William and Waylon. Like, I mean, there is a percentage chance that one of them might be queer. Yeah. And um, I can't get over that. I queer well, does that, that does yeah, not that, compute to say that. Yeah, I totally For agree. Me, it's totally gay. It, it feels it feels really hard to say queer because I just feel like that seems like derogatory. But he he's saying that, it's so not to you. It'd be like if a black guy starts self identified as the n word and right, right, calling right. You say, uh, well, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, you're exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> what I felt. Like it feels like I'm saying something terrible and derogatory. Well, I always thought and, queer and he's was saying it's fine. I always thought queer was derogatory because queer doesn't that mean weird and like yeah, not queer, normal. Yeah, yeah, queer means like they're strange. Owning. That's what I'm saying. Bizarre, it's right? What's the definition of queer? He's choo- he, they're they're empowered to say that and accept, say this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm choosing. This is me. I can be this way. People think of it as this. It's just, it, you know, it's just it's like taking the power gotcha. back. All right, to Toby, it, to what were you gonna say? You wanted to ask us I'll, a question. Yeah, I want to look up what queer, the definition of queer is. I'm looking that up right now. Queer, strange or odd, uh, to spoil or ruin is the verb. So uh, that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's what I think of as when I when I hear that, I think strange or odd. She had a queer feeling that they were being watched, like that, that a strange or odd feeling that they're being watched. And so I just. If I call somebody queer, I feel like I'm calling them strange or odd. I do not think of free. But if they self-identify as that, like I like for instance, if people call me weird or strange, I, that does not. I understand that I'm weird and strange to some people. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, uh, yes, you know, I mean yes. So that just to be, I'm way different than the average person the way I view things. I know I'm strange. That I don't think it's bad. So I, I think it's neat that I'm strange. <laughs> 
I but get some it. Some people, if you call them strange or weird, like Dave Powell, right. he'd be super upset. That makes sense. Weird. But I like when I'm called weird. All right, we've had a, we've had a so long okay podcast. So uh, Matt, let's get to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give one I'm gonna give one story of the truth. Okay, hit the music right now. In a world where people tell you to call them something or or they identify something and you feel uncomfortable, but you're just gonna start saying it basically every other word. Damn news. Queer news. Damn it. Can I call this the queer news then? Like it's against I don't know. It, it's against non truth. I don't know. I think Drew's a minority. I don't know. What, you think that most people don't identify no, within, as queer? With, within the Can we not get over it? There's the letter Q and the LGBTQ. Means, There's plenty of people that have the, that that means questioning. Joey. That means questioning. That does not mean queer, dumbass. Whoa, Matt, you are stupid. Whoa, maybe what? I am. Is that true? I didn't know that. So it's basically that's a jump. It. I thought it meant queer. Nope. Q doesn't mean queer and LGBTQ. Nope. It does not. Look it up. Pastor Joey Svensson just taught us. Hey, I'm actually really, that was like mic drop. Good. Well, it's it's basically oh, and everything else. So basically, you don't want to leave anybody else. LBG. Why would you add queer? You already have the G. Well, he's saying he didn't want to be called gay. Drew said he'd rather be called yeah, queer. Yeah, he's saying. Okay, well let's gay. just let's just think of every nickname for gay then and put it in the acronym. That's well, not every. Look, right here it not says every, it can mean Q, Q can mean questioning or queer. So whatever. There's millions of people who identify as queer. Is my point. This comes from Yahoo.coms and not gay. They don't say I'm Moving gay. They on. say I'm queer. Cincinnati Zoo director defends killing gorilla to save boy. Have y'all heard about this? Oh yeah, it's wildly popular going around right now. I'm probably late to the game, but this. Uh, this comes from Cincinnati AP and Yahoo. The Cincinnati Zoo's director on Monday defended the decision to kill a gorilla to protect a four-year-old boy who entered its exhibit, noting it's easy to second-guess after a child was recovered safely. The male western lowland gorilla named Harambe, I think they called him Handsome Harambe, I'm probably saying that wrong, Good was job, killed man. Saturday by a special zoo response team that feared the boy's safety. Video taken by zoo visitors showed the gorilla at times appeared to be protective of the boy, but also dragged him through the shallow moat. Director Thane Maynard said the gorilla was agitated and disoriented by the commotion during the 10 minutes after the boy fell. He said the gorilla could crush a coconut in one hand, and there was no doubt the boy's life was in danger. We stand by our decision, he said Monday, reiterating that the, using a tranquilizer on a 420-pound gorilla could have further threatened the boy because it wouldn't yep. have taken effect immediately. Maynard said the, an investigation indicates the boy climbed over a three-foot-tall railing, then walked through an area of bushes about four feet deep before plunging some 15 feet into the moat. The boy was treated at a hospital and released the same day. Basically, it just goes on to talk about this, but it's crazy. First of all, a three-foot wall, they said that was more than what, what was needed, but obviously it wasn't. And a, a little boy climbs through, and then they had to kill the gorilla because basically, I guess they chose the gorilla, kill the gorilla to save the boy, right? And now people yeah. are outraged. They're just saying, why did you do that? Well, What's going this on? This is like everything. And, let me sort out the, the first of all, again, it just goes into camps. So the two camps are uh, stupid people. There's a parent's fault. Okay, parent blame, I'm I'm guessing is the big is a big category. You gotta take right. care of your kids. That's his fault. I shouldn't go in there. You should never hurt an animal. Animal didn't do anything, all that <laughs> stuff. That's true. Uh, that's true. That's a, a reasonable <laughs> point. Uh, and then the other point being that no matter what, there's nothing you can do and the human life is worth by any almost anybody's measure so much more. 
Um, and what would what would it been if they tried any other thing and that and that gorilla on video ripped that boy limb from limb? You just cannot take that chance, and you wouldn't. And doesn't matter if you made a parenting yeah. mistake or whatever. You cannot risk that. And they, of course, you know the zookeepers are not like, ooh, we get a chance. It's not like cops. They're not like they don't love roughing up the animals and killing them. I'm not saying that cops love killing people, but I'm saying with cops, for instance, there's this thing like, oh, they finally had an excuse to unleash, unleash on this person. There's nobody that works at that zoo that wanted to kill that or hurt the animal at all. There was no delight right. taken any, in right. any way. It was what they had to do by any reasonable measure. And I understand why people would feel bad about that. Now, here's where you get to. Here's the, here's the actual truth of the matter. Just like we complain about everything, this is a systemic problem. Zoos are kind of a mess. This is You get a certain amount of these cases when you maintain that you need zoos where dangerous animals are kept in captivity and things like this. Zoos are a problem, and they won't be here in whatever it is, 50 years. I mean, <laughs> zoos are on the way out. SeaWorld is totally, oh, you're so right. bad if you would ever go to SeaWorld. But, oh, I didn't know yet. Oh, I found out it was bad now. Okay. Well, zoos are, are creeping up on this. My sister wouldn't take Georgia to the zoo. She said, I can't. I said, what are you talking about? She, I mean, she's babysitting Georgia today. She likes to go to the zoo. Uh, we've got to pass. She goes, yeah, we'll do something else. I'm not going to the zoo, my sister says. Wow. Progressive. And she wasn't, she's not political about it. She didn't care. She's just like, I can't go there. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's right. So I'm not, I don't want to go personally. So I'm not going to take Georgia. I mean, zoos were going to get refined and cleaned up and you won't see this one. They won't have this. It will eventually be seen as a, yeah, we were doing, that's not fair. That's whole system. But in the system, the people that shot that gorilla did the the only thing you can do. You can't release the whale back in from SeaWorld. It would get killed or whatever it is. But it's unfortunate that. We're, where we're at when Bridget and I went to the zoo in China it made me feel that way for the first time because they don't take care of their animals like we do and they just had people feeding them whatever they brought from home and the big fat zebras and you could walk right up to them it was really sad most likely what this whole situation is sad but it's based on our consumeristic you know desire to have the animals that we have cartoons of uh, also six feet away from our you know three-year-old children Joey do you want? Do you feel bad about taking your kids to the zoo? Uh no, not at all. I think it gives them a deepened appreciation for animals, and I, I think the you don't feel bad for the animals though, like they're in <laughs> captivity and they're... well, I go back and forth on that because I, I definitely recognize there is a different level of consciousness with what animal like animals aren't thinking. Oh man, I'm missing out on what I could be doing. Well, like all the other polar bears that are free. Like, there's just not that acknowledgement. And then you think, oh, wow, those polar bears are being fed. They don't necessarily have to hunt for their food. So I don't know if there is. Well, I mean, you understand this, the SeaWorld thing and who, how smart those dolphins and orcas and stuff are and that they're in a cage that's the size of your closet, even though you're well Sure, I guess what I'm saying, though, is they don't know that they're upset. I mean, that, that how do you? Why, why not? Because I don't think they have that sort of. You see when that when the people say, well, you see the elements when they mourn for days and days when somebody dies and when this and that. And yeah, I, I, I guess I don't believe in a dog that never gets let out of its cage is tied on a chain in the 100-degree heat that, that survives. How, he didn't know any better, so it isn't painful or suffering. Yeah, I think there's him. some physical suffering. I just don't. But he didn't know any better. Yeah, I definitely think animal, he doesn't know animals other dogs are certainly suffer differently than what humans do, for sure. So how much of that are you willing to exploit for your child's three-year-old's entertainment is the question. Yeah, I mean, we we take chickens and we just grab them by the heads and we, we, we spin them around for right. food. So I just... 
Uh, I would say I would I say that's how they normally okay. do it. I don't think, well, back in the I day, I don't think the factory. Of course, <laughs> of course, again, that's again living off something. We'll get to factory farming. That will be a I'm huge just, problem. I'm just saying, Matt using two. Matt but, use, but you we at least eat the chicken. It's not for your child's three year old's entertainment to see the gorilla that he saw on Wawa Wubsy or or on Dora. What I'm saying is, if you take your rationale to the extreme, Matt Carter needs to be a vegetarian. It's probably right. I think we'll look negligent for what, what well, I've done, but I've been complicit with yeah. it. I, so I'm, I'm, I'll go to the zoo. I'll go to the zoo next week. I'm not anti-zoo, but I'm telling you, 50 years from now, we're going to look shitty for what we were doing. They'll be able right to now. make meat without killing animals at some point in the near future. And then everybody will get right, right off of it. It's the yep. same as abortion. Everybody knows it's bad, and as soon as there's any way around right. it, everybody that was, as we suppose, pro-abortion will immediately say, oh, thank God we don't have to right. do anymore. Even though people that are pro-choice we'll say, I'm so glad we don't have to do abortions anymore. And likewise, yeah. when we can have meat that doesn't come from animals and we can take care of the zoo problem with virtual reality right. for our kids, oh, we'll get, thank goodness we don't have to cage up those yeah. gorillas anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. That was the damn news. The damn news. And that damn news. A great was, episode. Oh, it sure it sure Absolutely. Was. It sure was. Can I tell you who brought the damn news? Yeah, I'd love or, to Or you hear. know what? I don't want to throw them under that bus. They brought this episode. This episode is going to reach millions of people for Christ. And so we want to thank you, Jeremy, for your evangelical efforts. For helping people learn about our Lord and Savior. Yes. Jeremy Pellman, Sarah Kasimong, Grayson nice. Carpenter, Justin Silligman, Sillig, Nellie Thompson, Neil Willis, Tyler Curlin, Rick Thomas, David Trivet, and Rhett Jewett. We love you guys. Toby is in love with one of you, but we're not going to tell you which one. That's not funny, Joey. Yeah. You're laughing not. Okay. Batchristian.com forward slash contribute. We want your money. We don't care how we get it. We just want it. We desperately want your money. Don't need it. Just want it. Exactly. Man, what a great podcast, guys. (laughs) Hey, you fucking nutsacks! Fucking hard olds! (laughs) I want to hang out my fucking brother. <laughs> fucking cunts. What are your neighbors fucking thinking? Fucking pussies. <laughs> Mike, I'm going to hang out with this. Please, this is my job. This is how I make money. Dude, these are my friends. Can you chill? Golly. <laughs> Fuck you, twat. <laughs> what? what you- I'm done. I'm so sorry. Hey, listeners, I'm so sorry. Oh, man. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.